This is Shi'ar Jeshub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and along with the fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, we welcome you to this study series on heavenly authority. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, has been teaching on divisions in the church, and the letter of 1 Corinthians has been central to our discussion. We have seen the contrast between true scriptural faith and carnal human religion. And to better understand what Paul is speaking about in chapter 4, Pastor went into the Gospels to shine light on a basic human condition. In Matthew chapter 23 and Luke chapter 11, the Lord rebukes the Pharisees and scribes, telling them that they build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous. He says, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Jesus goes on to tell them that the blood of all the prophets shed from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah shall be required of that generation, concluding, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. Here now is Pastor Greg. Your fathers killed them, and you build their tombs. When you think about Abel, he mentions Abel here, the blood of the righteous. Abel typifies the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had sinned. God gave them the prescription for their sins, the salvation, the substitutionary sacrifice. Abel obediently brings a sacrifice to show his sinfulness, and the little lamb is killed. Cain, his brother, wants to bring the fruit. He wants to change it, but he's still religious. He doesn't just run off in rebellion and say, I want none of this. He wants to be a little religious. This is the danger in the church. This is the danger of human, carnal, worldly religion. It's not enough that they're away from God and they just go, but they stay in the church and then want to change the church for their own self-indulgence, extortion, pride, arrogance, boasting, being puffed up, all the things we read in 1 Corinthians, all the charges Jesus makes against the Pharisees and the scribes in Matthew and Luke. And so you have Cain with false worldly religion coming, making an offering of what he's done, the way he wants to do it. And then when God is not satisfied with that, and he says, if you do what your brother's done, I will accept it, rather than changing and saying, let me do it God's way because I'm trying to be close to God, well, I better do it the way God's told me to, rather than common sense coming in and doing what's right, instead he's mad at Abel, murderously jealous of Abel, so much so that he kills him. And that has been the way of the simplicity of God's way versus the human religion, those that have to be in religion and control it their way over the millennia. There's nothing new under the sun. It just takes different forms, different shapes, but the pattern repeats itself over and over again. That is human religion. And this is what happens. 
God anoints in history in different times his servants. He gives them his word to a generation, and they're stewards who rightly handle the mysteries of God. Remember that phrase Paul used in 1 Corinthians, the mysteries of God? His pure, straightforward word of repentance, of his mercy, the need for salvation, and his heart's desire for the people to enter into a true fellowship with him, to be their God, for them to be his people. And the Holy Spirit anoints the prophets, he anoints the good stewards, he anoints the apostles, and they're sent out. And often they're persecuted in their generation for the message that they're speaking. They're persecuted by those who do not want to hear it and do not want to change. Hopefully, eventually, the people do respond, they repent, they come around, and then they recognize that those were prophets of God. Those were apostles of God. And they accept those people as having given them the simple word, the pure word of God. And then man's religion comes in. Again, you have those like the Pharisees and the scribes, like Cain, those that want to do it their way, those that want power onto themselves. But they don't have it in their heart to accept the message of those prophets, of those apostles, those that went before but they're still religious. And like a big tree, they like to nest in this church, in this synagogue, whatever it is, whatever time period you're speaking about, whether it's the time of Jesus, whether it's throughout all Christian history, they want to go into that which they see as a position of power and influence. They like to nest like Cain. They want to do it their way, but they have a problem. The problem is the people recognize the prophets of old. So what do they do? They need to draw the people onto themselves. They cannot speak against them directly. So their fathers might have killed them. Their fathers, we're speaking figuratively now, those that have the same mind bent as them, might have actually, in their day, actually killed that prophet. But now they can't kill him anymore. He's dead already, and the people recognize him. And if they don't accept him, the people will see them as false, which they are. So they build a tomb to them. They build and adorn great monuments to them. They use their names. They may even take a portion of their teaching and apply it to something they want. And they lift them up, but they have nothing in their heart to want to do, to want to do what those men taught centuries back. They're using it for themselves to say, oh, we are the great church of Saint so-and-so, of the prophet such-and-such. They'll give them honor. They'll lift their name up. They'll build a tomb. But what are they doing when they build that tomb? They're still killing the teaching, right? Their fathers killed the actual person, but by lifting them to a place so that everything seems acceptable, oh, we're Christian, look what we have. Look at the basilicas we have but not mentioning, not teaching the way those men were given the teaching by God exactly. They're killing the teaching. They're killing those prophets all over again because God is not impressed in making a great monument to some person. He's impressed when we hear the word of God and do it. Doesn't it make a difference how big we build, how much we gold plate, how great we make the songs of the choir, how much we say the name of a prophet or an apostle? Do we do what God taught us through them? 
If we don't, if we distract the teaching, if we do so many other things by adorning the monuments that we bury the teaching in the ground, we've killed them all over again. And that is what those in modern religion, or at whatever time period they're at, past the time of the prophet or the apostle, must do if they're still to be considered religious and holy and the right reverend. They have to call upon the name and yet not teach what that person taught. And that's a pattern that repeats itself over and over again many, many times in Israel's history and in church history. A big, beautiful, adorned tomb. Lift up their names, incorporate them into your tradition, quote them selectively, but don't teach what they really teach. Otherwise, the people will learn and know and go directly to God. And setting them so high by using their names, they've locked them and what God has taught through them in a tomb. And it looks wonderful to people, those that are not knowledgeable in the word of God, it may look wonderful, it may glisten, but it's still dead religion. They've taken away the key of knowledge and they hindered those who are about to enter in. Because they're coming, you think of people that the Lord starts to convict and they start to want to know about Christ, the natural inclination is to go to the church that you were brought up in, right? So many times we will walk into a traditional church, and if in that church they have wonderful music speaking about the Lord in the songs, but the minister there or the priest there doesn't believe Jesus Christ is the only begotten son, a virgin birth, the sacrifice atoned, it is finished, and they come in searching and he starts to bring them into a social gospel, he starts to present their fruits as an offering like Cain. They were about to enter in, and even though everything around sounds Christian, he's taken away the keys of knowledge and he's hindered them from entering into the kingdom. And they use the name of the prophets and the true apostles for their purpose without shame. And if the true prophet were alive today, you wonder what they would say about such people, and you wonder how such people would treat them. We have local access. Um, everyone's probably has, if you have cable, they give you, you know, town broadcasts, and some of the churches around here will actually broadcast their services uh, on the TV. And the local Madison access, I saw a sermon, the Lord, it caught my attention, I really felt from the Lord I should listen to what was being said here. And I had just assumed it was just a regular mainline church, I didn't expect much evangelical teaching, but I didn't ex certainly expect what I heard. The minister of a large church got up in front of the church, and he's very liberal in his ways. He had a sermon about John the Baptist, and they went on and on about John the Baptist, and he was praising John the Baptist for his boldness and the way he took on the authority structure, and he went out in the desert, and it sounds very good in the service. And then he saw us to speak about the evangelicals, all those right-wing Christians who hold the Bible to be literal. And he's saying, well, what is he even speaking about John the Baptist for? But John was a good guy in this. He, he made a monument to John the Baptist. He adorned it. It was wonderful the way he set it up, and he's an excellent speaker, so he did it in a very dramatic way. And the enemies... The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Herods in the tale, are us. Are all your Christians that hold that such things as homosexuality is wrong? 
and they're narrow-minded and they're intolerant because they, they go by what they think is a literal Bible. And he starts to describe all, he goes through all the lists of the evangelical preachers. And in his scenario, they're Herod, they're the Pharisees, they're the Sadducees. And of course, he mentions this one, this one lady who he knows from another area. She was a lesbian minister that had been ordained and what a good woman she was and how well she performs. And this poor woman was persecuted, just like John, by all these Pharisees and Sadducees and Herods like us who hold the Bible to be literal. So, of course, in his scenario, he, poor man, was like John the Baptist. And we're all, and he's calling upon the name of John the Baptist. He's building a wonderful tomb. And I'm sitting there saying, you know, John got out on the streets and he preached against Herod taking his brother's wife, right? What would John say? For a minute, the Lord raised John up. What would John say about lesbian ministresses and having ministers, homosexuals, marrying homosexuals, or dating homosexuals? What would he say? What would he say? Repentance. And this man is speaking for the splendor of a large church. He's pulling down a large salary. He's, he's tickling the ears of the people around who want to hear it. What would John the Baptist, the real John the Baptist, say to all this? We will continue this sermon in our next program. You can find maps and info about our services on our website at www.shiarjashub.org as well as a library archive of programs that are sure to help you in your daily Bible study. You'll also find important articles written by Pastor Greg Scalzo. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.